Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman, on episode 69, 69 and I'm also happy about that. I'm very happy to be back behind the microphone again. I know it's been several weeks, but my goodness, my son's marching band has just taken up so much time. And then really just my training has taken up so much time. I, I, I work out a lot, and that's a good thing, especially at my age. I'm, I'm slowly but surely heading toward uh, uh, 45, which once I turn 45, I'll be officially closer to 50 than I am to 40. So so I've just been exercising a lot. I'm, I'm driving around all of Hillsborough County just, just trying to get my son here, there, and everywhere, uh, mostly school-related stuff. A uh, football season is over for high school, and I'm really glad about that. I'm gonna miss it when when he's because he's a junior this year. Next year he'll be a senior doing the marching band. It'll be the last year for that, and I really am going to miss it. I'm going to miss you, you know the excitement of high school football, listening to him in the marching band play. It's a lot of fun for me, but it certainly is a very busy time, and it does keep me away from the microphone because I've just got so many other things going on. But I'm back. I am going to California on a big jet plane in a little over a week, and I'm really excited about that trip. I'm going to be out in Southern California for JudoCon and for uh, my wedding anniversary. Now, unfortunately, I think I mentioned this before, I can only attend one day of JudoCon because there is no way I'm going to spend um, my wedding anniversary doing judo and and not spending time with my wife. So. We have a plan in place. I am hoping that the people out there in California are are, are staying safe because there's a bunch of wildfires out in northern and southern California. I got a lot of listeners out there. Um, I fully expect to be uh, inhaling smoke by the time I land there on uh, in the early November, but um, that's really going to be the least of my problems. I know there's people that had to evacuate their homes and stuff, so certainly... My thoughts and the and and uh, good vibes heading your way from me. So I I hope everybody out there that I know and and everybody's families are safe and that nobody perishes in these fires. It's really a shame, you know. The, the timing, you know, for me personally isn't great uh, because I'm looking forward to driving up the Pacific Coast Highway up up to Malibu and stuff. But but I'm not gonna do that if um the the road is on fire. <laughs> So uh, I, I may end up going down to San Diego because I've never been to Southern California. So I'm flying into L.A. I'll be there Thursday to Sunday. And then Sunday, I'm going to drive over to Arizona and uh, visit my father for a week. I'll be seeing the Grand Canyon and uh, visiting Tombstone and, and uh, Montezuma's Castle. I'm really looking forward to that. I've never been to Arizona either. So uh should be a great time. It's a much-needed vacation, but I wanted to make sure I got an episode done before I left. I am looking forward for all of you people out and uh, uh, showing up at JudoCon. I can't wait to see all of you again. That's Steve Scott, James Wall, and Maria, uh, Tyrus, uh, the darling of the freestyle judo, Derek Darling. Certainly so many other people out there that uh, I might need their... I, I you know who you are and and everybody and I'm looking forward to meeting new people so um it should be a great time I'm really excited about it I wish I could make it two days I I just can't but um and I really wanted to get Steve Scott on before the um 
before JudoCon, but that's just not going to be able to happen because there's some this pretty big story that I wanted to cover, and I'm going to get into it later with regards to USA Judo. And uh, speaking of Southern California and Arizona, uh, uh, the Nanka Yudanshikai. So that's a story I'm going to get into. It's going to be quite lengthy, I think. But uh, before I get into any of that, I want to talk about some breakthroughs that I've made recently. And if you follow me on Instagram, at La Vida Judoka, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So as you guys have known over the years, I probably first talked about this two years ago, over two years ago. I made a effort to try and learn Yoko Tomonagi. And I was able to do certain entries and and, and I've made the throw work in Rondori. But, you know, after doing this for 13 years, I know what good judo feels like. And I know whatever it was I was doing for Yoko Tomonagi, I, um, it wasn't judo. It was just me flopping on, you know, hitting the ground and, and throwing somebody over my head and using my arms. Like mechanically, somebody looks at it and they say, oh, yeah, that's Yoko Tomonagi. I could probably probably pass a test if somebody were to test me on it. But I know it was missing an element. I just, you know, after so much time, you, you, the experienced people know it. You know, you know what good judo feels like and you know that at the very least, you should be able to replicate ju- good judo every single time you perform a technique, you know, in, in you know, Nagewaza practice, for example. Maybe it's not perfect in Rondori, but certainly if you're just going through the, the, the motions of throwing somebody, you know how throws should feel. And I it just was not right for me. But so I decided to reach out to to my favorite place on the internet, the judo subreddit on, on uh, reddit.com and... I asked the question. I asked uh, some people out there, "Hey, what are your tips for Tomonagi?" But but don't give me the obvious. It's you, you know, plant the foot on the hip and turn your hands. I, I I was looking for something a little bit deeper than that, and I got uh, I got a couple of good replies, some videos that I watched, which were all very helpful. But uh, one fellow uh, managed to really give me some good advice, and and there was an element missing in my Yoko Tomonagi. And when he talked about it, it just resonated with me. He was talking about really the use of my hips. And I've seen it in videos. It's just, I don't know why I, I ignored that part. But anyway, I decided to give it a go the other day with uh, with my good friend, Judo Joe. And man, I was nailing it. And I And then once I started getting the right feel for it and stuff, I wanted to see if I could teach it. So I said, I said, you know, Joe, all right, I want you to do this and and try and do this, what I'm telling you to do. And sure enough, he does it and he does it better than I do. So it's really great when you, you know, you practice for years and I'm sure many of you have been doing this for years, really understand this. You have one of those aha moments, you know, one of those breakthroughs where something just clicks and now you get it. Well, you know, for, for me, those moments are few and far between. Um, yeah, they, they certainly happen in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu more because I am, you know, a beginner student, you know, just a blue belt. But, uh, you know, being a Nidan in Judo, you know, you, you've, you've been around for quite a while. But um, so those breakthroughs don't come nearly as often as they do for somebody who's more novice. But uh, it's just great. We, we, you know, you work on something for years and you finally have that breakthrough 
and, and now I'm just thinking of different ways that I can do Yoko Tomonagi in a way that I've never looked done before. I mean, I'm not going to go as far as saying I look like Kashiwazaki, but maybe I look like Kashiwazaki on drugs or something like that. That's <laughs> can I say that? I don't know if I could say that. I just did. But you know what I mean. I, I just... A poor man's version, a real poor man's version of Kashiwazaki's uh, Yoko Tomonagi. But I'm pretty proud of it, and I'm, I look forward to... Uh, to, to <laughs> God, well, I can't believe I said that. Uh, anyway, I should probably delete that, and I probably will forget to do so. But um, I look forward to really trying to master that throw like I feel like I have done with, with Yoko Wakari. I knew... You know, when I right when I was doing Yoko Wakari and became really proficient with it, that was just I knew right away what good I was able to get that good judo feeling right away with that throw in Rondori in different directions on both sides from different grips. So I'm hoping to have the same kind of progress with Yoko Tomonagi and I can't wait uh to teach some of the other guys at the club uh Yoko Tomonagi. The ones that probably can do it are probably some of the um Maybe some of the green belts and, and certainly the brown belts that we have at our club are are very capable of doing it and they're very coachable. So I I can't wait. Hope uh, Joe will probably beat me to it, but uh, you know if I have an opportunity to teach him that, I can't wait to teach him because I think I think there's a few guys at my club that would be excellent at it. So there's a couple of stories that I want to talk about that I find interesting. One is is about a month old by now because, you know, as you know, I haven't really had a new episode in, in several weeks. And I, I wasn't going to cover this on the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu episode. But there are two stories that I want to cover. One is coming from USA Judo and one is coming from Nanka Judo, which is the, if I understand correctly, the uh, Udanshikai that covers Southern California as well as some of the southwestern states. So I want to start off with the with the first story. It goes, uh, the headline is, USA Judo and City of Los Angeles Department of Recreation and Parks launch pilot judo program. Sounds good, right? This article was released on September 13th. It goes, USA Judo in the City of Los Angeles of Recreation and Parks launches first homegrown, in quotes, pilot judo program. The purpose of this program is to introduce Los Angeles area youth to the benefits associated with judo, both on and off the mat, and as well as begin the pipeline of potentially creating a homegrown Olympian or Paralympian over the next nine years. With Los Angeles hosting the 2028 Olympic and Paralympic Games, this partnership will jump start the hopes of developing athletes who may represent Team USA in their hometown and on the international stage. The pilot programs will be held at the following four Los Angeles Recreation and Park Centers. It goes on to list out the four. Uh, If you want to know what they are, um, you can look that up yourself. Continuing on, teaching at these recreation centers will be sanctioned USA Judo Instructors from around the LA metro region, including Richard uh, Elizalde, who is co-instructor of the first and longest running after-school judo program in the Los Angeles area. That's Gompers Middle School. Oh, hey, how about that, Gompers? That's uh, Dr. Anne Maria, uh, Dr. Anne Maria Demars is uh, sc- uh, school founded by the first American judo world champion and fellow. Oh, okay, I already covered it, Dr. Anne Maria Demars. Elizalde is also the first coach for Olympic bronze medalist and MMA champion Ronda Rousey. 
in quotation marks here. In partnership with all judo instructors in the LA area, we see the homegrown pilot judo program as a fantastic opportunity to introduce children to a sport and martial art that has positively transformed the lives of so many individuals we've coached over the years. So let's see, I'm scrolling through the article here, yada, 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 yada. Uh, let's see, the genesis for the program started with meetings between members of the leadership team at the Los Angeles Department of Recreation and Parks and USA Judo last December. Since then, instructors have been recruited and vetted, equipment purchased, and recreation centers identified for the homegrown pilot judo program are excited and ready to start registering participants. Now, let's see if I see anything here that's worth mentioning. No, I do not. Now, something that I want to cover that I did here, and I'm going to get into this in just a second. Uh, what is not covered in this press release by USA Judo is that they received uh, $25,000 from the International Judo Federation to kickstart this program. Now, here is where things get interesting. And before I read this article and, and kind of dish my opinion, I, I need to get this out of the way. Now that I've been doing this podcast for three years, I've really met a lot of people and a lot of people within judo that, that, that's done far more within judo than I can ever hope to do. Um, you know, and, and maybe in years past, I used to just kind of fly off the handle and make accusations and, and, and just be this wild-eyed, crazy person behind the microphone just spouting opinions, not really knowing what's going on. But I feel the need to take a more measured approach in a lot of the stories that I cover because, look, the judo community is small, and it's in particular, it's very small in the United States. So there are times that I may be directly or indirectly uh, criticizing people that I know personally now. Or uh, on the flip side, I may be criticizing the friends of people that I now know personally. Now, this doesn't mean that I can't have an opinion on things, but I, I really feel the need to take a more measured term, uh, more measure, more measured tone uh, when I cover some of these stories. So this is where I am going with all of that. The um, president of the USJF promotion committee, uh, Hayward uh, Nishioka somebody that I do not know, recently put out an article on the Nanka Judo website. Now, as I alluded to before, Nanka Judo is a Yudanshakai that's in Southern California, and it's, it's, it's a pretty powerful one from what I gather. It, it's, there, there's a lot of members involved, and it covers a, a, a quite a large geographical area as I understand it. Now, what I mean by large geographical area, it seems that they cover... Um, dojos in Arizona, California, Nevada, Texas, and even way out in Missouri. So, and I, I look, I apologize. I do not know much about Nanka Judo because that's just in an area of a com uh, of the country that I I just don't get out to very often. Now, with all that being said, uh, again going back to the article written by Hayward Nishioka, it starts off like this. It starts off with a bang, quite frankly. USA Judo is not the same entity as when Frank Fullerton was running the show. They have been shortchanging the two larger judo organizations for quite some time now. Both the USJF and the USJA have gone from having 10,000 plus members to slightly less than 7,000, while the USAJ, which is USA Judo, is now boasting membership reaching an all-time high of nearly 12,000. I have not seen those numbers yet. Continuing on. 
USA Judo's initiatives in our area in just the last year include holding both their senior nationals and their junior Olympics out here and are now starting a free judo program in Los Angeles using a grant from the IJF. These initiatives were all done without ever consulting NANCA, the USJF, or the USJA. Can you imagine the chasm USA Judo would have had if NANCA, the USJF, and the USJA were developing their, developing their own elite players and sending them to international tournaments as if it was our primary focus, while at the same time asking USA Judo to help pay for it? The lack of goal congruency between Judo's national governing body and their partner, the grassroots Judo organizations, have had a detrimental effects on Nanka and Judo in our area. It's as if USA Judo is saying, you guys are so bad at what you're doing that we're going to get into your business and show you how to do it because we can do it so much better than you. And they have 0% success record at producing medalists, which is their real mission. Did any of the Olympic medals in the last several Olympics come from USA Judo or did they all come from the Pedro, San Jose State or Morris Camps? Morris Camps. USA Judo has been using the leverage with the United States Olympic Committee to, to pilfer our members by making our players have to join them to enter national points events. And shouldn't the free mats and geese from the IJF be passed down to the real grassroots judo organizations? The current USA Judo American De Judo development model is yet another example of using the USJF and the USJA, which have had their own well-developed coach program since the early 1990s to bring them up to our standard. Now, I've talked about that American judo development model. Uh, one of my favorite Instagram accounts, Judoka Problems, really had an awesome meme uh, months ago about that with a, uh, a drawing of a, a real horse and then it ends up looking like a, a kid's uh, horsey. It, it is really funny. But that whole American Judo development model, just right from the get-go, it really, it really felt like it was just a bunch of smoke blow being blown up our, all of our collective rear ends, quite frankly. I never expected anything solid to come out of that. It just it just seemed like all talk to me. And that's just me. That's just me as an outsider uh, wondering what's taking so long to see any real progress on that front. Now, continuing on, and I'm going to have to jump around this article a little bit because a lot of what's being said in here is is interesting stuff. But I, I got I to gotta say, a lot of this is just sour grapes and a lot of whining. And, and I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Mr. Nishioka, but I just, this just seems like just the, the, the nonsense that goes on behind the curtain that, that the regular membership doesn't know anything about, uh, yet we're just being told, you know, pay your dues every single year and take these courses and blah, 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 and you, you know, who cares what happens behind the scene? Well, I, I, I'm sharing this stuff because I think it matters and you guys should should know about it, at least with Judoka in the United States. And for anybody listening that's outside of the United States, be very aware of the kind of shenanigans that happens between within your judo organizations or or, or within, you, you know, if there's more than one judo organization in your country, you got to be aware of the kind of nonsensical politics that take place between those people because you don't want to be in a situation where you're just paying money every single year and you're saying to yourselves well I don't know what's going on I just I just have to have this fee that I got to pay every year so I my rank can get recognized so yes for you outside people this may not affect you directly but it, it does serve as a reminder as to what can happen when you have uh 
more than one judo organization running the show. And just to be clear, you know, when I talk about shenanigans and things like that, I, I know there are people listening that <laughs> probably have sat through their fair share of shenanigans, shenanigans over 30, 40 years. And I I just want to be absolutely clear that I, I'm not being critical of anybody directly. I'm just being critical and, and just talking a little bit about some of the process and stuff that may go on between people that are trying to exude power or whatever the case may be, influence, uh, direction, whatever the you know, when you have a bunch of people that that care about one thing and they want to see it go a certain way, and you you're gonna have a lot of 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 people with different ideas, and all of those ideas can be good and some of them can be bad but people are going to wrestle over those those ideas and I think a, a lot of that wrestling over ideas causes a lot of gridlock so please understand uh you folks and I'm sure you know who you are when I talk about shenanigans and things going on that that's just my outsider's perspective and I'm just saying you, you know I'm just acknowledging that this stuff does happen and it, this is not the first time I've heard this kind of stuff happening so I'm going to continue on with this article because the article continues on with uh, talking about the history of the USJI and, and USA Judo and blah, 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 and all the, how that all came about. Uh, but I want to get down to this art, this par- paragraph here, continuing on. The problem is that USA Judo is a wolf's in sheep clothing, and we are the sheep following, disguised, following the disguised wolf to our slow elimination. The original understanding after 2006 was that USA Judo was to take care of the senior elite judo and the USJF and the USJA would deal with the grassroots judo. This has not had a very positive result for US Judo. What is sad is that USA Judo is in charge of the elite athletes, but most of them are developed as a result of USJF and USJA clubs and tournaments. That is because the USA Judo doesn't have dedicated judoka who see the larger picture of developing a better human being as well as great champions as we do. And and as far as a mission statement, I think that's why I'm a big proponent of grassroots judo personally. And, And this is just me. This is just my opinion. If USA Judo never sent another athlete, uh, for, for the rest of their existence to the IJF, uh, world tour events, it would not matter to me anywhere near as much as as uh as it would seeing grassroots judo get impacted I, I i hope that makes sense i'm just trying to get out there grassroots is where it's at in my opinion i i think a lot of you agree with that so continuing on the the paragraph continues their only concern is staying in power still in dividing judo into grassroots and elite and not giving the usjf and usja proper representation or vote USA Judo consistently alienates alienates the very organizations that have provided them with the athletes who have won international medals. Now, here's here's kind of the thing I, I the issue that I have with that, and I want to start off my opinion by stating that I think, you know, instead of less judo organizations, I think there needs to be more judo organizations. You know, who changed my mind on that was uh, Dr. Anne Maria Demars, and she made a great point that that you need smaller judo organizations maybe that that flow up to one big body but you you need really more organizations that handle the belt promotions and 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 outreach and things like that i think more because because you know for example like my kids playing little league there isn't just one little league there's there's little league organizations all throughout the country and i think having something similar would to judo for judo for grassroots level uh would be of benefit um, it, it, instead of having a, a bigger organization, 
all that being said, I think we all need to recognize that in terms of Olympic judo, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the USJA and the UFJ, USJF don't matter. And I don't know if it should matter because in, in terms of recognition, it's, it's USA judo. And the United States Olympic Committee recognizes USA Judo and the International Judo Federation recognizes USA Judo. Because if 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 they didn't, then all of the money would 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 go to the other organizations. And you can't expect uh, the, the highest level organization for judo to, to be concerned with the smaller tier uh, judo organizations in in a in any in a particular country where judo is just not very popular to begin with. So I, the, the article continues on, you know, m- making a lot of accusations, saying that all the elite athletes ultimately come from grassroots judo programs. One of the paragraphs here says, who's watching USA Judo? We are, but now from the outside because we have no voice or vote. Furthermore, it continues on with our juniors vying to become senior elites, where once the USJI would pay for even the second string players at international events, now this new board tells our athletes to self-fund if they want to be on an international team. And I add that's problematic for sure. Now USA Judo is cutting into grassroots judo program. It happened in our local area. They recently received a $25,000 grant to, to develop a grassroots program from the IJF. Instead of asking grassroots judo organizations how best we could develop judo to eventually suit their needs and possibly of the budding young athletes. They have started up their own clubs and have solicited our own clubs in our area with the Los Angeles Parks and Recreation Department. These new USA Judo members will be the same ones allowed into our tournaments with USA Judo membership cards when uh, when our athletes are not allowed to compete with USJF or USJF USJA membership cards in their tournaments. Now, I thought that was all paved over with that the American judo development model and stuff like that, that everybody was going to recognize everybody else's uh, athletes. Continuing on, there's the same organizations that is calling for the goodwill and cooperation of the three organizations where, in fact, they are merely mining our organization for their benefit. Now, look, <laughs> the money coming from the IJF to USA Judo, I mean, you... you Mr. Nishioka, you didn't seriously think that USA Judo was going to give money to not give that $25,000 to Nanka so that they could do with what they so they could open up their own programs or use that as a means to increase to increase your funding and your ability to to grow, you know, build other clubs and such. I mean, there's no way you you could possibly couldn't possibly think that they were going to do that. At least I hope not. Now, I will say this. It does seem kind of odd that USA Judo is building programs in, in, in what is arguably the biggest judo hotbed in the country, Los Angeles County area. I mean, I just think they would have been better served reaching out to Nanka Judo and, and working with them and and I don't know using existing programs at the existing clubs but but then again if you do that then then now you're funneling money to a particular club instead of the the entire organization it gets very sticky I mean there's a lot of ways that this could go I am tend to believe that USA judo just tried to do what they thought was the best thing I guess. 
I don't know. So put it this way: What if what if USA Judo comes into the to to Nanka and and they're like, you know, we want to start up, we want to have a program here. You know, we we got this grant money from the IJF. You know, which club should we designate as the the grassroots club um, that we're going to develop future Olympians from? I mean, how do you how do you decide out of so many clubs? You know, what if you know if Gompers Judo gets the money? Does does that mean Hollywood Judo gets the shaft? Uh, you, do you know what I mean? It's just there seems to be a a lot that can go wrong, especially when you have two presidents of two different organizations trying to best see you know best determine what the what the best course of action is with the money the the less people you have to talk to and debate over how the money should be spent uh, the 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 faster decisions can be made i think that's why i run the bills in my own household cuz i don't want to debate uh, what gets paid when <laughs> but anyway i mean look i understand that non kajudo the usja and the usjf probably feel a bit left out in the cold by USA Judo, especially when they've been infused with $25,000 to grow Judo. But I, I, I don't know. To me, it's just USA Judo is is the organization that's recognized by the IJF. And the Olympics are going to be in Los Angeles in nine years. And, and, and let's face it. If Team USA wants to have an Olympian, Make a serious run at getting uh, getting to the podium at the Olympics. You're gonna have to start right now. You cannot wait to de- to debate and and figure out and plan how you're going to you know spend that money. Who should get the money and stuff. You could be in debates and and in all these meetings and stuff for the next six to nine months. And the time to start finding a potential future Olympic champion is right now. You cannot wait to build a program and debate from six months to a year as to when and how that money should get spent. And then on top of that, you know, maybe some of that $25,000 can go into some kind of a interest bearing fund so that when they have identified the, the, the one or two kids that could potentially make an Olympic run, uh, that that kid has some funding to to be able to compete in different events and whatever the case may be. Twenty five thousand dollars is not enough money for that. I mean, I I mean, I even I understand that. But even if USA Judo identifies a couple of kids, they still have the problem of being able to support them. I mean, they they keep naming five thousand people to go to <laughs> the to the to, to the world championships, but they're not funding any of them. So it seems so it's just like I don't know. I mean. As an outsider looking in, I, I see that they're growing. You know, they, they, they're, they're developing uh, four pilot programs in L.A., but what, what does that really mean? What is the long-term plan? Are they sharing that with us? I really don't think so. Uh, but we're expected to send them money every single year uh, for our rank to get recognized and, and to be part of USA Judo for very little return, I, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, that that's really a big ask if you think about it. It's like, you know, really for all for a lot of judo organizations, except for AAU judo, who who seems to be the most plugged in. At least that's been my experience. You know, I mean, with Steve Scott, for example, I know I could call him up 
and ask him what he's got planned for the next six months to a year with with AAU judo and, and freestyle judo and how he's going to grow that and, and what he wants to do. And he's going to have he's going to have an answer for me. And, and he'd probably willingly share that with me and 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 share that with the rest of the membership. But can regular Joe Schmo Sankyu ranked dude, you know, call up somebody at USA Judo and ask the same questions? How, where is my money going? How is it being spent? Who are you supporting? What's the long-term plan? Can, can, can those questions be answered? Would anybody at USA Judo even be willing to answer those questions? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. So ultimately, what's my opinion in all this? <laughs> I don't have one. After 20 plus minutes, I don't know what to think about all of this. I think uh, Mr. Nishioka has valid arguments, even though I thought he really roasted a lot of people in USA Judo. Uh, certainly um, more so than I would have ever expected somebody in his position to do. Now, I will link this article in my in my show notes, but there's one more uh, section that I wanted to cover with this article because it's lengthy, but it is worth reading, even if you don't, if you agree or disagree with his approach and, and, and what he's trying to say with, with grassroots judo. Um, he does go on and state this, which I thought was very insightful. Uh, and this isn't a section on, on what, uh, you know, we can do as Nanka, even though I'm not a part of Nanka, but that, that's what he's proposing. One, uh, one of the things he stated here goes as follows. The biggest question right now is, what are we going to spend our finite monies on? Elite programs or on developing teachers? Currently, only 5 to 10% of our membership in dojos attend tournaments. But what are the other 95 to 90% getting? Should we not increase the membership? But how do we do that? Each dojo has a ceiling limitation depending on the size of the dojo space and times allotted for practice. Also by the ratio of teachers to students, depending on what type of program is being run. Also a life cycle of the dojo. Uh, dojos with a go-getter sensei, now older and retired, maybe lax and mentally semi-retired. Young sensei are prone to making mistakes, but that's all right. Just correct them. It's all within a life, a life cycle of a dojo's life, which may end with the death or sickness of, or loss of spirit in a sensei. Like it or not, the Udanshakai growth depends on building new instructors and innovative programs if we are to survive. The more instructors we train, the more members, the more members, the more innovative programs one can fund. And then he goes into a, a, a list of things that they can do. But I got to tell you, that last paragraph there, I, I, that's something that I've been hammering on this podcast for a very long time is... How are you going to get instructors? <laughs> you know, you, you, you do so by reaching out to the adults that have, may have the slightest interest in judo. You know, and, and so many instructors and clubs out there are so kid-focused that, that reaching out to adults and growing the, the, you know, reaching out to young, enthusiastic adults that, that could potentially stick around for decades— judo in the United States is largely ignoring those people. I've been complaining about this for years, and I'm still going to keep hammering that point. You know, Take, for example, a post that I saw on Reddit the other day. Actually, it's probably about a week or two ago by now. Some guy was asking if it was normal for him to be a part of a judo club that had three other adults and 12 other kids, and all the adults are, are doing all the same exercises that the kids are doing. And... It just blows my mind that, you know, the sensei 
of that particular club is not doesn't doesn't set aside time for the adults in their own class and and maybe try and grow that. It's all about the kids and, and twelve kids isn't a isn't a whole bunch, but you know you got these adults that are trying to learn judo, but they can't because they're kind of babysitting the kids and they got to keep an eye out for the kids on the mat so they don't squash them. It's 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 not a proper situation for any adult to train, but. But that is far more common than, than than it ever should be in the United States. And about you know, as far as getting more adults, I, I know Gary Goltz had a pretty nice article written earlier this year about uh, what we can learn from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of valid points. But you you gotta get the adults through the door. You you gotta get the twenty somethings that that are flocking. In droves uh, to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, in my own little world uh, at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu Club, I'm I'm trying. I mean, we do have a judo program there, but but I I like um, I really am, am big on teaching adults, and you know Joe does a great job. But I I'm trying to get a a half hour class in the morning once a week on Saturday to supplement some of these guys because there there are people in jiu-jitsu that are interested in learning throws and takedowns and 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 furthermore there's some of her interested in actually learning judo all the, all the the terminology that the, the history the the tradition you, you know these are all things that I'm very willing to teach and I'm I'm going to be spending just I, I I had the the beginner class instructor. I, I I talked to him. His name's Crucial. I, I said, "Listen, I got the I got these adults. They want me to teach judo in the morning. Just I just give me a half hour. Let me at them, and and that's what I'm gonna do. Right, half hour every Saturday morning. Uh, I'm gonna teach a little bit of judo to some of the jujitsu guys that 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 want to learn. And you know, we have a class on Monday. We have a class on Wednesday, and the the nogi later on that Saturday morning. But you know, I'm I'm going to keep it to basics. I'm going to keep it to a gi, and I'm going to tr- teach as if you know these guys are are the most precious things in the world, like like eggs that I have to hold on to and make sure I don't drop and break. Because even though we have a great match space, to ask adults to take a fall, you, you know, is a big deal. But it, it it there's a lot of investment and effort in the beginning when teaching a brand new adult. But I believe. That if you teach adults correctly and you let them, and you can show them that judo can be a very safe activity, that you can grow judo in the adult, the segment of the adult population that we really need growth in, and that's young adults. I mean, don't get me wrong, any adult, I'll take a guy that's 55, 60 years old, they want to learn judo, they want to learn to throw, I will, I will, I will teach them judo. I, I, I don't care who you are. And you will get the same care and attention from me as a twenty-something-year-old guy will get from me as well. So you know, going going into that that the, the whole thing on, on getting more adults in, I, you know, and this is where people really want to hit me in the face. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to suggest that we lower the standards for shodan, but I think. We need more black belts. We certainly need more instructors, and and maybe some of the. Not lower the requirements, but maybe some of the red tapes, maybe some of the extra stuff that one has to do to acquire Shodan. I don't know. So, I mean, should it take longer for somebody to, to earn a Shodan than it does for them to earn a bachelor's degree? 
I, I don't think so. And yes, we're dealing with complex movements. We're dealing with the human body and stuff like that. But you know, not everybody develops at a slow pace. There are people that develop pretty quickly. I, I certainly did because, you know, largely because I, I spent a lot of mat hours in, in the first four years in judo. I, I, I trained a lot. I was very enthusiastic and, and I'm still enthusiastic about judo. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, what what happens if you take a you get a 20 20 something year old that's very enthusiastic about learning judo he puts in all the time and and stuff i mean should should that person be held back for uh, from shodan if he's good enough uh but maybe may not have i don't know cpr training or enough time in grade and, and look this is where I start getting to the point where most people think I'm wrong and that's and that's perfectly fine. I, I'm not I'm not trying to to say that I have the right idea. I'm just trying to come up with an idea. Because I just it judo absolutely needs more instructors. Now jujitsu doesn't have to do anything like that, like fast track people to purple and brown and black belts, because they have a they have plenty of instructors and plenty of willing students, and they've got a crop of young guys and middle-aged guys like myself. They're going to stick around for the long haul, and they'll get their black belts eventually, and they'll be able to teach other beginners as well. So jiu-jitsu is going to be set for a long time, but, but judo has a problem with availability and the lack of instructors. And you know, I've talked about this before, you, you know, many, probably at least a year ago, it's like... If I want to teach youth wrestling, I just take a four-hour course and I could teach youth wrestling. Yet, I believe for all the judo organizations, you got to be an EQ at least to to be teaching a kid's class. And my God, it, it takes people five, six years to get EQ most of the time. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm not saying this is what we should do. There's a lot of people out there that are way smarter than me that that could probably figure this stuff out a lot better than I can. I just want to have the conversation and just throw those ideas out there, even if they're bad ideas. Just put the ideas out there because I think that's what's ultimately lacking with a lot of the older leadership in these judo organizations. And... uh, I just think Mr. Nishioka does make good points uh, along this regard for grassroots judo. All right, I, I think I've gone on long enough for this episode. I really wanted to cover the Brazilian, uh, the, the Brazilia Grand Slam and and the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam. I, I watched some of the Abu Dhabi over the weekend. I, I didn't really watch enough to be able to talk. Uh, confidently about it. I did see day two of the final block, which, which uh, I boy, I gotta say, keep an eye for uh, uh, for Igor Wantke of Germany because he defeated Rustam Orzhov of Azerbaijan, and I fully expected uh, Orzhov to completely manhandle uh, Wantke, but but he surprised me. I believe. Wantke was was number ranked number twenty two in the under seventy three kilo division and and in case you don't know Rustam Orzhov is ranked number one in the under seventy three kilo division. Granted, that's uh, via points. I wouldn't. I'm not going to say he's the best athlete in that division, but certainly in terms of points, he's ranked number one. So <laughs> this was on paper a huge mismatch, and I was just waiting for for Orzhov to to really take control of this match, and he never did. Because uh, Wantke, um, and I hope I got that name right. I probably don't. He did this sumigayashi from a 
I, I, from a grip that I've never really seen the throw done before, and he got a Wazari out of it. It was beautiful. Now, if I didn't say it, that was the bronze medal match. Uh, the gold medal match in that division went to uh, uh, Silo Glue of Turkey, defeating uh, Arthur Margaillon of France. I'm sorry, of Canada. What am I saying? I just That sounded like a French name. I just assumed they were French. I meant can- Canada. So that was pretty much all that I saw of of uh, of that day. To be honest, um, I did catch uh, Teddy Renner in in Brazil, and of course, it was no surprise that he won gold. I mean, can 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 he be stopped? I I don't think um, I don't think anybody's gonna get Teddy uh, between here and Tokyo, and I and I fully expect Teddy to get uh, to have a gold medal by. Uh, you know, in nine months at the summer games, I mean that that that's about as automatic as they come, unless uh, he ends up breaking a leg or something like that. So I think that's going to do it for the podcast. Uh, for those of you who want to reach out to me, you can do so uh, judo chopsui show at gmail dot com. You can always follow me on Instagram at lavita judoka. My Instagram is awesome. You can also follow me on Twitter, which is also at Lavita Judoka. I don't post as much judo-related stuff there because I'm usually complaining about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers via Twitter. Uh, you can always follow me on Facebook. Uh, search for Judo Chop Sui Podcast on Facebook. Um, and if you want to follow me, add me as a Facebook friend, uh, you can always do so. Just search for Dave Roman or David Roman, and you should be able to find me. And if you can't, look for the one that lives in Florida. And if I, if, if, um, oh, like I've said it before, if you're going to add me as a Facebook friend, always send me a message via, uh, via Facebook messenger and let me know that you listen to the podcast. Because if you don't, I'm going to ignore your Facebook friend request. I just, I just am because I don't know you. I mean, even if I accept it, I don't really know you anyway, but you know what I mean? At least the, the tie that binds is the podcast. So that's, that's why I want you to send me a message just in case. All right. So with that. I hope you guys have a great day. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Train hard. Stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style.